Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 141. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the multi-talented and acclaimed author, Alethea Kehas. Alethea, Thank you. How are you Thank doing? you. I said your last name right, do you? Uh, you kind of slur it all together, Kias. Oh, Kias. It, yeah, it's a All tough right. one. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. Be, before we went live, I was really trying to make, get your first name down. I didn't even. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one. No worries. Yes. That's right. Yes. All right. Mm -hmm. yeah. They're both Greek, and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we, we got a mutual connection with uh with, with Sarah. Yes. She's she's been on my she's been on the show a couple times and. Yes. Uh, and, and you have a you have a couple books published, um, and you know you know focusing on a lot is uh, um, your your most recent one that you came out with in in, in twenty eighteen, which is called the uh, um, the labyrinth. Yes. Warriors of light. Yes. Volume one. Right. That means there's a volume two coming out. Yes, volume two is is done in terms of you know, ready for the betas. The betas are reading it. It's not quite ready to be published. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it's and there. It's, okay. Yeah. And what, what's the, what's the title going to be? Do you know yet? Or is that a still secret? Well, yeah. Um, I'm calling it keys to the heart, mm. but it might change. Okay. That's a big hint about what it might be about though. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of keys. <laughs> 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 not literally though. <laughs> yeah so so talk to us and so every and people can kind of you know you know go to check out your website you have a really you have a really good website that kind of has like all the information that they would need to you know learn more about you know your work as well which is you know not just as your writer you're also a yoga instructor you know you're also a correct a, yeah a, a, a intuitive guide energy healer and all this information to learn more about you is going to is right here on your website which is really exciting um but looking at looking at the your your books so the warrior you know the word the, the labyrinth yes um it's what i love about it is that it's it's kind of a it's uh, a youth a youth inspired book like it's it's for what do you say the age range is it if it's for i'd say nine and up Okay. Yeah. And if you have a really mature child, um, you know, reading with the child that's a little younger, that's totally fine as well. There is deliberately no violence or, you know, anything inappropriate. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so talk to us a little bit about the book and just uh, kind of like what the, you know, the back of the page synopsis of, of what people could expect. Right. Right. Um, so the story begins with the labyrinth, quite literally. Uh, mm. It appears in the dreams of six 13-year-olds. Wow. Two of them know each other. The other ones don't, but they meet actually in the dream world. Okay. So they meet up in the labyrinth and they start to know each other as they start to understand what the labyrinth is. Right. Um, and they learn that they're on a quest together. And the quest is to repair the energy lines in Earth and also save one of the characters' mother. Oh, wow. um, yeah, she's intimately connected to the Earth. So she's what you would call an HSP, which is a pretty common term these days, <laughs> <laughs> to, the, to the max. <laughs> 
So she's so um, sensitive to the energies of the earth that every time there's a crisis in earth, she feels it. So right. in the beginning of the book, Apony, um, that's the character's um, name of the, the 13-year-old character. Her mother uh, is actually in a, in a treatment center because she's so depressed. Okay. Uh, yeah. And um, from there, they travel the labyrinth and the labyrinth eventually appears to them um, in real life. And they journey into it and go on all sorts of adventures without giving too much away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so what, how would you care? What would be the, 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 it's so interesting to find like, you know, different subcategories, subcategories of right. fantasy. Yeah. Um, what would you, what would this be categorized as, as your, you're kind of defining what the, 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 the fantasy genre of this would is right. would be the sub genre of this. And you know what, to be honest, I wouldn't even categorize it as fantasy, oh, but, really? I think, okay. but I think because that's such a, a mainstream genre, it's right. just natural to have to default to it. Um, what it really is, is more of a visionary fiction. I don't know if you're familiar with visionary fiction, but that's more of an emerging field okay. and it's, and it's metaphysical. So, um, that's, you know, really what the book's crux is about. It's about, um, teaching kids to really be empowered and to, um, understand who they are, you know, so mm -hmm. they don't, if they're, if they are naturally different, naturally more open to things, if they're HSPs or if they're psychic or if they just don't feel like they fit in. Right. Um, so each of the six characters in the book are different and they've experienced their own uh, instances of feeling different with their peers, with, um, you know, their backgrounds. So um, that's, that's really what I, what was motivating me um, with those, with, bringing those six characters together. And then of course, just making, empowering them. So in the labyrinth, there's, uh, it's a maze. And if you can see on the cover, I guess I could hold this up. Um, can you oh, see yeah. that? Uh, other side. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> oh my goodness. Right. So uh, it's not your typical labyrinth, right? So when you think about labyrinths and I had people say this to me before, that's not a labyrinth. <laughs> yeah, but that's the labyrinth I'm using. <laughs> and there's a reason for it. It's a hexagram. And this is this appears, this symbol is so ancient. It's it's appeared um probably before recorded history, way well before recorded history. It's a magical symbol. Right. Um and so you know it, it brings the above to the below, it ties water and um fire together, and it's it's magic and it's unifying. So that's why I use that, but it's also symbolic in terms of um, there's broken lines. And so those are the ley lines uh, and the darkness that you see in the, in the earth is also inside of us, right? So wow. we all have our darkness, we all have our light. And when the six child, um, teenagers go into the labyrinth, they have to heal their darkness, their, their shadow selves enough to be empowered to actually carry out the mission that they're supposed to be on. Right. Now, yeah. so how um, how I would say like accessible is is the story in the background to folks that might not uh, might not have a um, an education or a background in, or an understanding in and some of the some of the the background of like the intuition right. and and things like that. Yeah, and so it really is written as a, a fantasy in that respect. I mean, right. I think that the, that people who aren't necessarily 
um, immersed in the esoteric world right. are going to read it more as just a fantasy. Um, and that's totally fine. It's meant to be, you know, fun and empowering in whatever way it's, it's supposed to be. I mean, um, you don't have to know about any of the symbols I put in there. There's right. a little glossary in the end if you do want to look some of these things up. Um, but it's meant to kind of inspire that thought process and that connection. So, for example, I have a, a little girl beta reader. She's nine right now, and she's reading it with her mother. And she happens to, to, to connect with the character Lupe. Um, and you just never know who you're going to connect with. So Lupe is a character who's really, he's, he's basically the environmentalist of the group. He's right. really into, you know, making sure that he's environmentally conscious and he's a loner, you know, he's the, he's the wolf, which is something I actually didn't mention either. They all shape shift into their power animals. <laughs> That's so, right. There's like totem, yeah. there's like totem yeah. animals involved. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so perhaps her totem animal is a wolf, right? You know, yeah. So, and, and so where did so where was the uh, uh the creation of when you sat down? Because the where, yeah. when you as you were writing it out, where what was the inspiration behind writing the book in the first place, right? So, that's a that's an interesting question because the book kind of came to me in piecemeal. Um, and the first character, the first inspiration, spark of inspiration that came to me was a butterfly. It was Apony. So Apony's um, totem animal is a monarch butterfly. Okay. And one day, you know, I don't know, 10 years ago, it was a long time ago, <laughs> more than 10 years ago, I guess at this point, probably. But um, I was, um, I think I was meditating and mm -hmm. she appeared. And I learned some of her story. And from there, the other characters appeared. And I think they all appeared first as their animal selves. And then I had to figure out their names, which was actually quite a process. Right. <laughs> you know, because their names are, they basically mean their animal in some way. Right. Um, so, so, yeah. And then the other inspiration was basically, I think we all write the stories we need to have written, mm. you know, whether we're healing a wound inside of ourselves or someone that's really closely connected to us. Right. Um, and I happen to have a son who's an HSP and um, actually Lu Lupe is modeled after him. Mm. <laughs> and I, I grew up as an HSP. So I, I really felt like I needed to write a book for those kids who might be struggling. Right. Yeah. Um, so what is, uh, to, to clarify for those of like H, um, HSP, that's a highly sensitive person, correct? Yes. That's okay. the, yeah, that's yeah. the term that is used right now. And I, I personally think we're all highly sensitive to some degree, right? We're all empathic to some degree, which is also another term that's frequently used. Um, yeah. but we shut it off, you know, we shut it off early or late in life and as a coping mechanism. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and what was the, the idea for you to, um, because of the fact of like, it, was it, was it ever not an option to make it, uh, like a, 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 a youth book or did you ever think about, I want to, this is more of like a, a, an adult book, but were you always focused on writing it for that, that age range? 
I was always focused on writing it for that age range, um, but with the intention that adults could enjoy it too. Right. So uh, at this point, some of the people who have enjoyed it the most are actually adults. Hmm. Um, and, you know, that makes sense because not all kids, all kids are going to enjoy it because a lot of kids, when they pick up a fantasy book, they expect violence, they expect right. war. And right. I deliberately am right. leaving that all out. But if you're right. an HSP, you're not going to want necessarily the violence. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it, it just depends on, you know, what type of person uh, is going to yeah, relate to it. So at what, what point, because, you know, as, as we mentioned before you got on the air, I mean, you got a, you got your MFA in creative writing Correct. Um, and that's where you get wrote your, your, your first book. Um, yes. Your first book, uh, the, um, a girl named truth was based off. That was one of your, when yeah. you're working on your, your, your yeah. master's thesis, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. The, so what point, how difficult or easy was it to you kind of, wearing those two those two hats your author's hat your writer's hat and then you're putting on your hsp your 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 intuitive hat to say all right this is i want to say this this is the direction i'm going but i know you know what i'm thinking about as as a writer i have to fit it within a specific structure how how easy or complicated was it for you to um have to navigate some of those inside conversations? Yeah, I mean, um, that's an interesting question. I think um, it's been a bit of a challenge in some ways. And I think that's one of the reasons why I decided to self publish, because, right. you know, you are allowed to do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't have to alter the story. <laughs> um, and yeah, it, it's, um, it's a challenge to adhere to, I think, structure. Mm. for a lot of us right you know we want that freedom right. <laughs> i don't know if that answers your question or not no but. it yeah, it's good so there's um is there like for instance like there you know for instance when it comes to like story beats or you know chapter you know splitting into the chapters and then kind of making sure you're following a you know the storyline of you know multiple protagonists like these aspects of things that did you uh have to kind of fight through, you know, you know, maybe there, you know, some meditative inspirations where you're kind of being pulled to bring the story in one direction, but you wanted to make it self fit within a specific structure. Yeah, certainly. So for, so, so for the warriors of light series for the labyrinth, right. it started out very piecemeal. Right. So I did have to pull. Uh, because it is very much intuitively driven, uh, you know, visions came to me in different ways. Uh, and so stories would come in pieces <laughs> and I'd have to weave them together. So this one, the second book is uh, more chronological the way I wrote it. It just came to me that way, but this one wasn't. So mm -hmm. it was a challenge. And I did have to say, oh, you know, maybe that's a little too much down the you know, rabbit hole, let's right. just say, <laughs> um, and kind of pull it back and, and, you know, make it a little more mainstream. Um, and I might have to do that with the second one too. We'll see what the feedback is, you know? Right. Um, cause yeah, my tendency is sort of to kind of go into the esoteric world, the kind of magical world, you know, that, right. that for me is fun, you know? And then did you have an, 
did you have beta readers for your the, the first book yes, as well? Yes, I did. Uh huh. But they were well. No, I did have a teenager. Uh, so yeah, I did have one that was younger. Um, this time, I do have a few more younger ones, which I think is good. Did you? Was there any feedback that you had on there that you that were, was kind of challenging for you to hear to things that you, that you're kind of asked to recommend to change that you just really didn't want to? Yeah, you know, not really on the first one, which oh, I, no. I'm kind of surprised. Um, I mean, I did have one reader who didn't, who thought it started too slow for her. I mean, everyone's different, you know, right. it took her too long to get into the labyrinth. <laughs> um, but my young adult reader, uh, she, she really liked it because she yeah. found herself in it. She was an HSP. She, she, it was funny. She compared it to Harry Potter, which I really don't feel like it's close, you know, right. but for her, she, she made some kind of comparison to it. I don't know. Right. Um, but for this one, yeah, I think um, the next one, I will have to, yeah, I will have to make a decision, you know, do I, <laughs> do I go with what they, you know, do they, because I think, you know, some, some readers like, like actually like Sarah mentioned, she's like, just wait, wait until you get all the feedback because yeah, I have two uh, adult men who have finished reading it. And uh, one of them, I think had a little trouble following the, all the storylines because there are six main characters right? and they end up in the second book and, different places, I'll just say. So it was a little hard for him, but she said, wait, you know, just wait, because younger readers, they sometimes have an easier wait, you know, time following right. it. So, so we'll see. And so the second book, so now that you've, you have, as you said, you got your second book that's in, in beta yeah. phase. Is this a two book series? Or is it going to be three book, four book? Or are you are you thinking like, is there like an end to this? Like it's going to be a yeah. box set, or is this? Are you? Or is I this going to so. be like an ongoing? <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is, is I've always I, I've always envisioned it envisioned it as a trilogy. Okay. Um, so three books, right. but I've had different people say, oh, you're going to write some prequels to it. So I, I don't know. I'm open to different ideas, but honestly. I've also always had a vision from the start that it would be an interactive game and also hopefully a film of some sort, like a series. Right. So I don't know. We'll see, right? right? Maybe there's a graphic novel in there too. I'm, I'm not going to illustrate it, but you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how is this like, so the, the, how in depth did you go in? Is this, you know, for, for the, our, our listeners and, and viewers of, of the show uh, yeah. to, is, is there a, is this our, is this takes place in our world or is this kind of like world adjacent? Is there? Great how, question. How yeah. So it actually takes place in New Hampshire. Okay. All <laughs> it right. starts out in New Hampshire at a place called Mystic Lake, but it's in Wolfboro. So I actually okay. used actual Wolfboro, but the lake is not real. I based okay. it on a different lake that is uh, near and dear to my heart. So, um, so it's actually based on a real location. I used Wolfboro because, well, Lupe Wolf, you know, it just had that interesting connection. And I think right. readers will be able to relate to it. So yeah, it starts out real uh, modern time and a recognizable place, but it does, um, by the time you get into the second book, that changes a bit. <laughs> okay. <All> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so well, who, what was some of the inspirations of uh, other books, those other series that you, um, that you mentioned that, you, you you've heard feedback like oh this kind of reminds me of this or as you're writing this that you were kind of drawn towards some specific authors or books that that you yeah. use as your inspiration yeah i mean honestly 
the inspiration for me, you know, because I'm a little older than, you know, a lot of the, obviously much older than the target audience, but the books I read growing up, yeah, um, real that really inspired me and kind of stuck with me were uh, Madeline, Madeline Lee Angle's series. Right. Um, and I still, to this day, all the books I've read, it still feels the most closely aligned to that series. And it's nice to see that series still in bookstores, you know. Right. You know, and they made they made it into a movie recent, not too you know, not too long ago, um, but yeah, that series, um, you know, Dune a little bit, but that's too violent. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, and it in in terms of more modern books, um, I've been searching to be honest, and I haven't really quite found a series that's too similar. Um, I guess uh, his dark materials is somewhat similar. Shulman. Have you, yeah, yeah. Have you read yeah. his work? Yeah I, yeah. I was, I was surprised to see how they were going to actually make some of those characters like, like visual, like how would you see it? I was, yeah. You know, I haven't seen the films. I haven't, I have, the, oh, okay. I like the film. I haven't seen the HBO series, but I'm, oh, okay. I'm really curious to see how they yeah. Uh, yeah. came up with the guys with the rolling things. I can't right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but that's right. So, so you bring up so that you bring up Madeline Engel. I'm I'm curious yeah. about a Wrinkle in Time. Would that fit within this genre you're talking about? What was you called the visionary fiction? What was it? That yes. So, if you actually like search for visionary fiction, um, I think on like Goodreads, I think it comes up on Goodreads. Um, right. So, I, I think when it was written, it was classified under sci-fi, right. because you know technically it sort of is. It's not really well. A lot of it doesn't take place on Earth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of otherworldly. So, um, and I mean, I suppose mine has elements of sci-fi too. That's where the, the problem with genre is, right? Because, you know, right. it's so hard to put something in one genre when you're, you know, it's restraining, I guess. Right. Well, it's just, yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think what it is, is like us, us as humans, like we can only, we, we, we can only comprehend so many boxes before yes. we have to, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, you know, right. 6 billion people in the world. We can't comprehend that number. So we yeah. have to like, yeah, you know, but it's a challenge, you know, because like, yeah. like I told you earlier um, that I'm, I'm considering mainstream publishing and, you know, they want to know what genre you're And it's like, do I choose fantasy? Do I choose visionary fiction, magical realism? That could also be, you know, right. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Like Toni Morrison is like, a would consider magic. That's true realism. too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's true. I love that visionary fiction. I get, I'm going to, I'm going to do some more digging on that. I like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why they developed it because it's, you know, the more esoteric metaphysical type books that really right. aren't just fantasy. There's that element of deeper truth to it that the writer is really trying to put across. Right. There's level of like, yeah, as you said, like this philosophy and spiritualism yeah. involved in it, that kind of, um, as you say, that kind of, harness and makes you ask questions about, as you said, those deeper truths. Right. So, yeah. Um, and as you mentioned too, just to get like that, as uh, you were saying before we went live that, you know, truth seems to be that running theme and more uh, and that are that running theme through your books and your writing. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's the meaning of my name. And when I learned that when I was a child, it was just kind of like a, a moment where it's, it was like, okay, that's my beacon. That's my guiding light. Right. 
And I've always had a deep connection to my name. I think some people do and some people don't. Um, and I think that my name was given to me for a reason, not necessarily mm -hmm. that my parents knew that. And I've sort of made it my mission to make that an overarching theme of my life. Right. So this, the quest for inner truth, my, my business is inner truth, healing and yoga. So, uh, and then obviously my memoir is about finding my truth and voice. And then the middle grade series is about helping others find their voice. Right. So. so how was like, so you, the other aspects of, of, of you do is, as you mentioned, like the, as a, as a, a yoga and you know, yoga instructor and intuitive guide and energy healing is right. how much of that has an impact on your, on, on, on your writing, on your writing themes, for instance. Yeah, I think they're all tied together. Um, so in terms of, and you know, and I do get inspiration from every source. Mm. So, I mean, I might get a vision while I'm working on someone in Reiki and that'll tie into the book, you know, because I've had this vision of sort of an otherworldly, you know, right. existence or, you know, experience. And, um, yeah, I, what I love about it is that you know, whatever, whatever modality I'm working in, there just is that kind of inherent guide of helping that person achieve right. a deeper truth. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta ask you, do you ever in the process, I'm just thinking about like, you know, other authors I've interviewed, where the, you, you never know when inspiration is going to hit. Do you yeah. ever catch yourself like in the middle of like, maybe in like, you know, you know, in the middle of, doing yoga we're like something hits you do you because you I, yeah. I love doing yoga i do yeah. yoga a lot yeah. too right but you're in a different space and yeah. i always catch my like you know do you ever catch yourself like oh, that's a great idea but no no i can't i'm in this different like do you have to like write you know, it down or like well, when it happens or yeah you know it doesn't it that doesn't happen so much anymore because i think i've trained myself and and actually the training came more through dreams because i have very vivid dreams and i have a lot of cool dream, dream journeys and i don't want to get up you know how they say take you know keep your keep a journal by your bed and then you got to turn on your light and write in it and it's yeah. like then you're awake you know yeah. so i've trained myself to be like okay you're going to remember that dream and you're going to remember these elements you know and so i think i've just subconsciously kind of train myself to retain what I need to retain. Not that right. it always works, but yeah, there are those moments where you're like driving or something and you're like, Oh crap, that's a good line or something. You know, <laughs> it's like, I can't write it down. You know? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so how, how much of the, uh, so how, how much do you have already kind of scripted out? Say, cause I used to, you already got the second yeah. book done. What do you have for yeah. like the, do you already have outlines prepared for your original thought of a trilogy? Like, so I don't write on, I don't use outlines. I'm one of those right writers that just sits down at the keyboard and then really? that's when it comes. Yeah. That's literally, it's kind of like automatic writing in that sense where you just have to trust that you're going to get the, the answers that right. you you're seeking, which is really actually frustrating because I kind of wish I knew, you know, like I, I knew sort of the, bigger arch you know i knew the the bigger plot uh that right. i was wanted to achieve but um you know like with the third book that i've started i i've kind of 
I go back and forth. I'm like, should I get back to it or should I wait for the beta readers? Because it seems to want to take a turn that I'm not certain I, I love, but I have to trust, you know, that, right. that it's, you know, going to work out. Right. Um, so yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't outlined it out. It's just, I kind of got this idea that keeps nagging at me. Right. So I'm like, all right, <laughs> if you insist, right. <laughs> the writer's muse, I guess. Right. You know, so we, we have writers that listen, you know, other authors that listen or people that are mm -hmm. looking at doing that. Um, and they might like you might, might have a, you know, a full-time job someplace else, you know, and yeah. doing some other things. Yes. Where, what would be some of your advice to say like, to how to find time to sit down and write a book? Cause as we said, this first book, it's, you know, it's, you know, with the glossary itself, it's over 300 pages. So that's a pretty good size book. Right. Um, where do you find your, uh, how do you schedule your time to make time? Yeah. For and I think that's a great question. I really think that any writer should allow, allow themselves to see what works for them because mm -hmm. I've read so many things and I've listened to so many uh, writers that, you know, say you need to schedule an hour a day and pick your time, whether it's morning, lunch break or night and just write mm -hmm. and, and dedicate yourself. Some people just, you know, hole up into, I don't know if you know Matthew Quick, but he's a, a Goddard graduate. And I remember he gave a talk uh, while I was there and he said, you know, what he did, his, he was living in his uh, in-law's house, his wife was working and he just hold up, held, hold himself up in the basement and just wrote nonstop. Wow. Not everyone can do that. Right? right. So, you know, for me, if, but if you're working on a deadline, you know, maybe you have to do that. For me, I, I gave up the idea of wanting to write, you know, a, a billion books at a certain amount of time. I just thought, well, that's that's not necessary, right. you know. So, I decided to kind of maybe take the easier route in terms of when the inspiration hits me, I sit down and write. Sometimes I do force it though, right. you know. Obviously, if you're waiting too long, write something. So, right. like for example. I, I do want to wait to see what a couple more of my beta readers say before I d delve too much into book three. So I've decided to, and, and you know, Sarah was uh, actually nudged me this, this too. She said, just work on something else, work on your poetry. So I've been right. writing poetry, you know, right. so work on something else that's creative, that's writing right. if you have to, right. but yeah, be consistent, I guess, at least, you know, whether right. it's, yeah. And what were some of the, uh, and that was some advice that you just mentioned, but what would be, what was, what was something that you got from say like your MFA courses that, yeah. that was like invaluable for you while you were working on, uh, working on the labyrinth? Yeah. I mean, I, so let's see, I'm trying to think of how I can, re how I related the MFA experience to, well, yeah. So <laughs> So Goddard, as you probably know, is a very unique place. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, the the most value I got, I got out of Goddard was the esoteric kind of metaphysical experience. Mm. Uh, I mean, certainly there was valuable writing, you know, uh, yeah. you know, craft information. Yeah. Um, but that probably helped me more than anything else. <laughs> it really gave me permission to step into into my authentic self. I, right. I think I was hiding from it for so long. So, you know, it gave me permission to write. Right. I'd been holding it back. And, and of course, you know, my experiences there gave me permission to actually delve into the metaphysical world. 
Um, so honestly, in terms of the craft of writing or, or you know, that sort of kind of nuance of, of, of putting to a book together and, and timing it and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, nothing's really stick stuck with me right. in terms of, yeah. So it's kind of like, as you said, it's, it kind of gives you permission to, and Goddard was great at that. It's like giving you like to write what you know, you know, right. it's, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. my first advisor was, was Kenny Freeze and he, he, um, he is a memoirist and I started writing a girl named truth as fiction. Mm. And he was like, what are you doing? Why are you writing that as fiction? So, you know, I guess in retrospect that, that, that probably answers your question a bit too. It's, it's, you know, it's, that steered me completely in a, in a different direction. Um, it, it allowed me to actually write the truth mm. boldly. And that's why it's, it's nonfiction. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, cause you mentioned you write poetry, you wrote this, um, uh, the visionary fiction novel, you wrote a memoir. Yeah. How different is as a writer, how different is the, not the actual rhythm of the story of how you write it, but how, how different is what you pull from, I guess, creatively for each one of those? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very different. Um, I mean, I guess it, it was a completely different process, the two books. Uh, the first book, you know, it was, I guess, I guess I sort of had more of, you know, the structure because you, you have it already, you, you've already lived that life. Right. So you can't make anything up. You can't ask for, you know, some higher inspiration or something. You've already lived your life. So the challenge for that was how do I learn, how do I pick out the theme? You know, how do I pick out the, the story that I'm trying to tell, right. which, you know, was finding truth. So uh, I remember one day I was walking the dogs and I had, thankfully, like you were mentioning before, what happens when your inspiration hits you? I had just, I had happened to think to bring uh, some index cards and a pen. <laughs> And thank God, because I, I think I reached the top of the hill and I was like, oh, my God, that's it. And I right. pulled them out and started writing down every single like it just kind of came to me one after another, after another little little snippets of my life that, that I needed to put in there that all kind of came together. Right. But it was just, up until then, it was kind of like, I don't know, I'm just writing. I don't know what I'm saying. You know? <laughs> You know, just and then it all just kind of came together. Right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so so with the actual, you know, putting it together, and I think as as you mentioned that you're looking at trying to get a publisher for the the your second book. Yeah. What talk to us about how you kind of navigated through the world of self publishing. Yeah, you know, when I published A Girl Named Truth, gosh, that, well, that was what, 2017, I think it was. Uh, that was, I feel like the self-publishing world was still pretty new. Mm. I remember looking around seeing, oh my gosh, how do you do this? You know, what are the options? That's when a, a lot of the, um, there were some, a lot of uh, people who were trying to get you to, you know, buy into the kind of, um, you know, approach where you can get help to do it. And, you, and that's still out there, but I think, um, yeah, it's they make it pretty easy. You know, Create Space is turned into uh, KDP, I think it's what it's right. called now. Um, and it's not it's not too bad. You know, it's very it's very approachable. Um, 
for me, I think what I've learned is that I think you can either you, there's a lot of benefits. You can, like I mentioned before, you can design the book the way you want. You can pick your cover, your title, you have complete control over it, the genre you want to put it under, uh, how long the book is, you know, what font you use. Um, you know, I mean, for the labyrinth, I, I had fun with it because I had, I hired an illustrator to do little um, pictures oh, cool. of the, the characters and how they kind of appeared in my head and a little map. Um, and yeah, and when I think about transitioning into a traditional publisher, there's a part of me that's like, well, you know, I need the right one because I don't want to change everything. Right. You know, but um, but yeah, there's advantages and disadvantages to both. And I think at this point, I just realized that I I do want to see the book morph into other things. Like I mentioned, I do want to see it morph into a game. I do want it up to be approachable uh, in different ways to people because some people don't love books. Some people like to listen to them. Some people like to do videos and some people like to watch series or movies. So right. I've always had that vision for it. Right. Yeah. And so, as you mentioned, like like your cover, the cover mm -hmm. of that, did you yeah. have your illustrator, did you have to hire an illustrator to design that? I did. Or is, okay. I did. Yeah. So, I mean, you can go on KDP and pick kind of generic co covers, but I don't know if you've, if you've no noticed with self-published books, those are pretty obvious. Right. You know, when you, when you know someone's just kind of picked the generic cover and then like thrown a couple of things at it. Um, so I didn't want that. And I, I did, I hired a really great um, publisher or, I mean, sorry, um, illustrator. And she did, she did every graphic in here, including the, the cover. And she okay. was great. I mean, I just gave her the vision and she, she made it appear. So, so um, how did you, how did you find the illustrator? You know, a, a lot of things just kind of, you know, fall into place. It's kind of interesting how it happens. So I found her, I think through the blogging world, Okay. Um, so I blog pretty regularly. I've been blog blogging for more than a decade, I think at this point. So, um, yeah, she, uh, I think someone else was using her perhaps, and I came across her illustrations and they just kind of spoke to me Okay. and I reached out and that's how I found her. Um, yeah. You do, but you just blogged this. You had a blog out today. Oh yeah. Okay. I wrote one today. Yes. <laughs> Look at that. All right. Yeah. 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 And yeah. you do have a pretty, yeah, you pretty, look at, you have a lot of people that have been, that follow you on your blog too. Yeah. Like. I think I typically get now around 50 comments or, or um, views, not more okay. than that views, but people who will like it. Right. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah. That was, um, that was about a dream visit. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Talking about dreams and no, that's good. Otherworldly you things. <laughs> And and you and you and you kind of talk about it because I know that I, I saw some of your YouTube videos where you're doing some intuitive writing and, um, uh, I think that was like you had some. There's some YouTube videos of you, um, talking about that. So. Uh, I there may be floating around there. Um, I yeah. know I've done some in the past. I'm I'm trying to think what if I have anything actually up on my YouTube channel right now. I don't think you, so, but I could. You be do. Wrong. You have. I, I watched it. <laughs> oh, I watched no. it, Alice. Oh no! It was oh, your. No. <laughs> no, I wasn't that. It was your, it was your, it was your book trailer. Book trailer. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah, I have that. Up. And yeah. you know who made that? That was like a nine-year-old kid. I oh, deliberately really? wanted to hire someone who was, yeah. And it was, I, you know, yeah, 
But he yeah. did a good job, I think. He was. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. sorry. So what was your question about? Um, now I forget. Oh, it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, like you said, like how, like, so I guess my, my other question, because you, because, uh, be, because of your ability of being such a, like, you know, being so intuitive is, are you, do you see yourself being like bombarded with other ideas of other book ideas or other stories that, that you feel that you're, you're feeling to, um, being asked to tell as well? And how do you, what would you do to try to help maintain that? You know, honestly, I wish I did because yeah. I know there are writers who are like, feel like they've always got like a backlog. Right. I kind of feel like I'm like, you need to write this story first. You need to see this one to completion, no matter if you want to or not, you know? <laughs> and so um, I have, I have gotten a few other ideas and I've kind of started a couple of other books, um, but I sort of keep getting drawn back to, okay, finish the series first. Right. But what I do is I just kind of, you know, I, I open up a little file and just write down what has come to me. And if it's meant to be, it'll be there later. I mean, there's a, a couple books I've just never even published, the children's books, um, picture books, but um, maybe I will someday. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you know somebody who makes children's books. Right? Yes. Yes, there. exactly. <laughs> yeah. She does a great job with it, too. <laughs> like, she puts yeah. it like two, book, two books a month. Like, it's I don't, crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. <laughs> she turns them out. Yeah. I know. It's like, slow down, Sarah. You're embarrassing yeah. everybody else. Here. I know, right? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so another piece of advice I'm curious about, because we do see like on your Amazon page, you, you are connected with a few anthologies. There's some ones that yeah. you've, you've co-written, you've written. And would that be a piece of advice you would give to authors who want to try to get their name out is to absolutely seek out anthologies? So, yeah, what I did before I started writing my own books is I used to I mean, it's been a, a while since I've actively done it, but yeah, I, I dedicated quite a lot of time to writing poems or essays or whatever kind of sparked my interest when I'd see it. So, you know, following um, different uh, online now, um, you know, different writers networks, I guess, and, and, and finding anthologies. And if you're, you know, if you do like to write poetry or essays or short fiction, that's a great way to start. I mean, honestly, since I went, towards self-publishing, I can't say that it's really helped me yet, but right. it may, you know, especially if I land a big one, which I haven't really tried, you know, too much right. to, um, but if, certainly if you can get a, a big name out there, that's going to help you. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and do you, as a, so do you, what do you do when, as you mentioned before that you, you know, when the inspiration hits, you're there and you start writing it out. Yeah. Um, do you ever, try to like, as you say, like do like, you know, warm up as artists will try to do like warm up sketches. Do you do any like warm up reading or writing to kind of yeah, get, that's a, get things flowing again? That's a good question. I mean, there's so many techniques you could do, you know, yeah, yoga would, it would definitely get uh, the, that um, creative inspiration flowing. Um, going outside for me really helps. Yeah. Uh, I get inspiration just from walks. It's kind of like, a, you know, walking, walking meditation. So um, I think that's a great way of, um, but, you know, for me to honestly, as I said before, it really is just sitting in front of the computer and like typing and just 
trusting that the words will come out right. as frustrating as that can be. Right. Um, yeah. So what would be some of the other pieces of, pieces of advice that you would give to folks that are, that are afraid to actually take that manuscript and upload right. it to KDB publishing or something along those lines? What would be some advice or inspiration you'd give them? Yeah, I mean, I was certainly, you know, it's, 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 um, for me, it was the technical aspect. It was right. challenging. I mean, I probably anything that could go wrong, probably did. I mean, that's just how I seem to learn, you know, by trial and error. Uh, but it's not that bad. Um, and honestly, there's, I'm sure it's gotten easier too. There's a lot of templates out there. Uh, there's a lot of help out there. And I think one of probably one of the best advice I can do too is don't buy into all the um, all the offers for help. <laughs> you know, I mean, when you research self-publishing, there's gonna be so many people who are trying to make money from your quest. Right. And you don't make a lot of money off out of books, right? I mean, so for me, it was like, how can I do this in a way? that I'm at least going to break even, you know, right. and then start me. I didn't want to go into debt. So, you know, for a girl named truth, I, this photo is an existing photo. I had my cousin who's a graphic designer create the cover. So it wasn't too expensive. Um, you know, I didn't have a budget and I did everything else myself. Mm -hmm. I had, uh, you know, I was lucky that I had a pretty good draft at Goddard, but I certainly had to, get editors and those were friends actually editor right. friends it's not perfect i'm sure there are still errors in it but you know traditionally public book bush, books have them as well so right. for this one i had a little more budget so i hired yeah but you can find graphic designers out there that, that aren't a fortune and they're good you know she right. did a great job um and like i said there's template i mean you know even actually i created this template in uh i think just pages okay. um on my computer it's yeah. not it's 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 easier now probably if you use google it's much easier google docs right. you know <laughs> and there's editing software out there so google docs is pretty good actually it catches right. a lot of things um right. so where if where you put your money i would say put your money in getting an editor at least to catch the you know the grammar and as many typos as they can get, you know, right. get some beta readers because they're free. Yeah. They're really nice people, you know, uh, yeah. make sure they're interested in your genre. You know, that's important. Um, and then, you know, otherwise, you know, there's mixed, uh, you can get, um, you can buy the ISPNs. I did. You don't have to. The reason to buy them is that you can, you know, print it other places, not just Amazon. And I have, for example, with the, the Warriors of Light series, I have a woman who sells it through her business. She, um, her name is Ava Goulet. She's wonderful, which actually just going to mention her here because some of the readers might find connection with her. She uh, runs Dancing Jaguars um, spirit camps. And actually, mm -hmm. that's my readership, you know, people, kids who are more interested in learning about themselves in the world and that connection. So she sells her books, my books through her her business. So you, she couldn't necessarily do that with Amazon. I had to put those on a, a different platform. Right. Wow. Um, yeah. But that does cost, I think an ISPN is about a hundred dollars. So, you know, right. it's an expense as well. 
Right. But like you say, you own the book. Like, I mean, it's not yeah. like you don't own the book, but you have, you right. have more freedom over it. Yeah. Right. No, you, yeah, yeah. You do have ownership to it. Yeah. Either yeah. way, but um, yeah, but more freedom with what, how you print it and, and mm -hmm. uh, what you want to do with it in the future too. Cool. Yeah. Well, Alethea, we are at our, we're at our hour mark already. So. Wow. See, it's quick. Huh? <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> so, so if, if people want to, uh, you know, learn more about your writing and learn more about your, your work. They can go to, uh, um, Alethea chaos, chaos, Alethea chaos.com. Yeah. Alethea chaos.com. A L E T H E A K E H A S.com. Yeah. A L E T H E A K E H S. Yeah. I think, I think I spelled it right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just.com. So my full name connected.com. Right. Yeah. And that yep. brings you right to my website. My blog is uh, right off there as well. Right. And that's uh, the light behind the story. Right. Excellent. So thank you very much. Uh, this has been, it's been a great time. And so listen, so we, we were talking about your second book so much. You have to come back on. Yes. And then, and, and chat about uh, book two. Of that would the, be awesome. The Labyrinth, so. yeah. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome, Alicia. I had a great time chatting with you. Me I look too. forward to talking to you some more. Awesome. Thank you. Alicia with her, her, you got your, you got your snowflake sweater on too. And see, yeah. I know, right? Yeah. All cozy. And you know what, honestly, this is one of my favorite. And I think I proactively say this is like some of my favorite times of the year because like the days are getting a little bit longer, like yeah. by a few minutes every day. So there's like, you know, that, it, that, yeah. that horizon. Yeah. And it smells like spring already. You know, right. I noticed that yeah. like you can smell it. So that's good. Well, technically where we live in, you know, in our neck of the woods, you know, yeah. New Hampshire, Vermont, it's, it smells like mud season. Yeah, so, yeah, but, yeah. But <laughs> I'm trying to be, po I'm yeah. be positive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. All right. We're going to. All right. <laughs> all right. Here we go, Alicia.